What's up everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. It is 2023. I'm getting a late start on these guys. We have all been down with sickness um, for, it seems like forever. Um, just keeps recirculating around here between Josie getting sick, me being sick, the boys being sick, you know, and just one thing after another. It's been kind of hard to sit down and burn one of these out with a voice that uh, is not the familiar nasally drone that you've come to love and expect. Um, now, there was a little while in there where I sounded like um, a horse that ate gravel. So, yeah, so we're here. Um, it is a gloomy, gray Sunday. You probably hear the heater running in the background because it's cold. Uh, I... I'm not a cold person. I enjoy warmth. So I'm one of those weirdos that always has to have heat on or six layers, whatever. But uh, we're going to segue that into today's topic, which is um, cooling uh, and maybe a little heating. But uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for um, just everything, all the... Um, donations the support the you know um all of the patreon donors thank you guys so much uh, super shout out to the big man in arkansas scott stroud for being a super duper donor um appreciate it very much uh scott has a powder coating business in arkansas uh i don't remember the name of it because he never talks about it. But uh, yeah, if you see Scott Stroud on the uh, Facebook pages um, and you need some powder coating done in Arkansas, uh, hit him up. Uh, he also does um, some LS conversions on scouts in his spare, spare time. So he might be able to help you out with that too. Um, but anyway, thank you everybody for all of the donation and support and the, you know, the subscriptions. Uh, if you follow on Instagram, uh, we do have a subscription program over there for some dedicated content for subscribers, uh, behind the scenes, stuff like that. But um, anyway, enough with the clown pitch. Um, we're going to talk about cooling. Um, being that it's winter time, a lot of guys' projects are down, or you know, trucks are down, and they're getting ready for summer. Um, or they're parked, you know, because of the road salt or whatever. So now is a good time to take care of some of those lingering, uh, issues that maybe you were fighting last summer. And I was talking to a guy yesterday who had his motor rebuilt. It was a six cylinder AMC motor, but still, um, put it in the, Shop that did the install swore that he should have a 160 degree thermostat. And the Scout 800s, the six cylinder 800s, share the same radiator as the V8 800s. So good size radiator. And uh, they, after they broke the motor in, they're having trouble with it overheating. And 
that's kind of a red flag for me um, just because, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on there. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of fan it had. It did not have a shroud. Um, the 160-degree thermostat is worrisome as well because if we can go over the dynamics of cooling really fast, if you take the thermostat out, which I've seen several of these trucks have come in here with no thermostat. So what happens is the water comes into the motor, it gets heated by the motor, gets pushed out the upper hose, cycles down, you know, trickles down through the radiator, and then gets sucked back into the motor through the lower hose. And what happens is, is that it exponentially gets warmer and warmer and warmer because the radiator can't cool the water fast enough so that it returns to the motor cool enough. So it slowly builds up temperature. Now, on normal days, you know, if it's 75 degree day and you're doing average driving, it will probably not warm up all the way. It'll probably run, you know, 160 degrees. But on hot days, and I went through this with my motorhome because somebody took the thermostat out of the motorhome, it, if it's 100 degrees outside, you will overheat no matter what because the air can't cool down the water fast enough before it comes back out of the engine. So, you know, the engines are running 200 degrees. It's not going to drop 100 degrees of temperature of cooling in the radiator before it goes back into the engine. So, you know, you can run the heater and prop the hood open a little bit to let engine air out, but they still will get hot. Um, because the whole point of the thermostat is to slow the water down so that it'll stay in the engine until it gets to 180 or whatever your temperature is. Then it opens and it lets the hot water out and then while it's pushing hot water out, it's drawing the cold water in from the radiator. And then when the cold water goes into the engine, the thermostat closes and it's the, the cycle starts over again. It keeps the water in the engine until it gets to 180 and then it opens and the water goes out. Now, that's the slow way of describing it because it happens... Uh, relatively quickly uh, when the engine is up to operating temperature it's the thermostat is opening and closing fairly quickly the problem begins when the engine is running hotter than 180 then the thermostat doesn't close it always is open and now you get that vicious cycle that I described when you had no thermostat at all so 
it's very important that the radiator be clean, free of debris and buildup, deposits, calcium, whatever's in there. That the fan has the correct blades or more blades and you have a shroud. There are some cases where it's overdone, like on some of the big trucks, uh, they have massive radiators and little fans, uh, and you can almost not, unless there's an engine problem, not overheat them. I've also found that with the four-cylinder scouts, uh, the uh, like the early 80s, um, you know, the 152s in a 63, like I have done terrible things to my uh, 63 Scout and it had the four-cylinder radiator with no shroud and a four-blade fan and it never overheated, ever. Um, and I mean, I did some, like snow wheeling where you're just pushing you know, low range, first gear, wide open, pushing through snow drifts and, and all that stuff. And yeah, it's 28 degrees outside, but I've overheated V8 trucks doing that um, because of they just get hot from working. And those little four-cylinder scouts, for whatever reason, are, are like overcooled. Um, and I'm sure some people will argue with me about that. But I guess what I'm saying is, it's important to have the radiator be clean, clear, unobstructed, um, the correct fan, a good shroud, and you know, making sure that as much air as possible can move through that radiator. That's your biggest, um, the first thing that you need to make sure of. So that when that thermostat is opening and closing, the water it's drawing in is as cool as it can be. Um, so then it can close that thermostat, let it warm up, and then open up and let the water out. Uh, a lot of modern cars, aluminum blocked uh, motors, aluminum heads, I think the LS's run a 195 thermostat. Um, so again, it stays in there longer. You know, the water will stay in that motor even longer and then get let out and you know hopefully cool off enough so i always get nervous when guys suggest running a 160 degree thermostat because it just gives the engine more opportunity to open that thermostat up and leave it open and then you know then you start that vicious cycle again you know and i could i could very well be wrong but you know, the way it's been described to me and the way it reads in the book and everything like that, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, correct in my, in my understanding. Um, so, you know, that's the most important thing. Um, you know, if you're getting perpetual overheating with, um, you know, all that stuff taken care of, you may have to look at, uh, your head gasket or um, if you have, you know, a cracked head or something like that, or a warped head, because um, head gaskets will notoriously cause overheating just because of exhaust gases getting into the combustion process or the um, cooling process or coolant getting into the engine, which uh, that's always bad times. 
something else that is overlooked by a lot of people, um, you don't really think about it, is the engine oil does a fair amount of cooling as well. The engine oil draws quite a bit of the heat out of the engine. Um, so, again, it's important, like, this sounds stupid, but if your oil pan is caked with grease and grime and road, you know, if you've got an inch of road grime stuck to your uh, oil pan, you know, scrape it off, wipe it off, clean it up. I know all these things leak and it's tough, but if you can just remove a layer of that insulating dirt and grease from the oil pan, um, you know, that goes a long ways towards helping the oil get the, the cool cooling effect that it needs. Um, you know, a filter is out there too. Make sure that's clean. And, um, you know, Lodestars had um, an optional oil cooler that used the water. It had a oil to water heat exchanger that bolted on the side of the block um, so that you could get the engine oil cooled down by the engine coolant, um, which again, you know, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to in my head how that works, but if the engine oil is 250 degrees at operating temp, then you know running it past 180 degree water would be helpful. Um, now the load stars, like I said before, had massive radiators that were you know capable of carrying a lot of extra water, so they had the capacity to cool the oil and the engine at the same time. I don't know if a heat exchanger like that would work on a Scout or a D-Series pickup where, you know, the radiator capacity is kind of matched to the engine. Um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, um, you know, I've often thought about it for some of the builds that I have in my head. Um just because it does get hot. We do pull some big grades, you know, I do that. Luckily the DT uh, that's in the black truck, it's got an uh, oil cooler built into it already um, that is a water oil exchanger. So, um, you know, there's there's got to be some benefit to that since all that. I think the 6.9 and the 7.3 IDIs had an external oil water cooler as well. So, um, you know, there is something to be said for that, I believe. Um, so again, if you need a additional, uh, engine cooling, you know, maybe you could explore that route. Um, you know, I wouldn't get, I probably wouldn't get one of those sandwich spin on adapters that has a standalone, um, core cooler, you know, uses the air. I put one of those on one of my Cummins's and I noticed the oil pressure dropped by like six pounds when I ran that external standalone cooler. And, uh, I'm not sure that it helped a bunch. Um, I know that it created more external heat, um, which is something you have to consider as well. Uh, cause yeah, every time, you know, when I was running at operating temperature, that oil cooler would 
be just on fire. I mean, it's 250 degrees or around there. And so nothing else under the hood is that hot. Um, generally, you know, the radiator is supposed to be at 180 or colder. Uh, same with the heater, heater hoses, all that stuff. So, you know, having this standalone cooler be at 250, 300 degrees, it, uh, it created other issues that uh, I hadn't accounted for. So um, if you're going to do an additional oil cooler, I would look into a oil water exchanger. Um, you know, if you have a SV, you know, 304, 345, 392, you can find one of the Lodestar ones, or there's some aftermarket ones, I believe, that are out there. But, um, you know, then that brings me to the other thing which is the under hood temperature um generally if you can figure out a way to evacuate the under hood temp that will help uh give you some a little bit of extra cooling as well uh we end up hole sawing some two inch holes in the upper portion of the inner fenders on the d series um, to help that heat escape um, we weld a little bit of expanded metal over them so critters can't get in there. But uh, And then we take the skirts off. There's the rubber skirts that hang down. Um, we generally take those off as well to let the, let the heat out. And I know that those skirts are there to protect the manifolds from getting splashed um, and cracking. Um, you know, and it's supposed to help the heat. The, you know, as you're driving down the road, it creates a, a tunnel and the heat is supposed to evacuate under the truck. But I've found that that firewall is so square and, and vertical that when the air enters the engine bay, it has nowhere to go. It just, you know, circulates under there before finally finding a way out somewhere. Because uh, one of the old-timer tricks was to loosen up the hood bolts on a D-series and then wedge in something to lift the back of the hood like an inch up give you like a one inch gap between the cowl and the hood and that was supposed to evacuate the heat from under the hood uh and it does um i've been around guys that have done that um so that's why we put the two inch holes in the uh, inner fenders because it's kind of the same you know it, it lets that heat escape out those upper holes and into the inner fender, into the fender, and then blow out that way. Um, so, you know, if you've got a bunch of stuff under the hood, like this sounds dumb, but like think of your heater hose routing. You know, if you've got a bunch of extra routing, um, you know, think about shortening that up, running it the, the factory way instead of how you just have it laid on there. Because most people don't realize how it was routed originally, and so they just kind of drape heater hose on top of stuff. Um, so, you know, make sure your heater hoses are routed correctly. Make sure you don't have a bunch of additional stuff under there that is capturing heat and, and holding it in. Um, you know, and like I said, um, just getting the air through the radiator is ideal. So shroud, um, fans, you know, we try to put a six blade metal fan, uh, on all of our builds, um, if you can fit it, um, you know, and I think GRC, a couple places sell 
a seven blade plastic fan with a clutch that goes on there. Um, the fan clutches are handy for economy and, um, you know, cause they don't drag at low RPM or low temps. The, the engine kind of freewheels. And then when the radiator temp comes up, then the fan clutch engages and pulls the air through. I had, a like my second gen Dodge or my third gen Dodge, even that, when you were pulling a grade and the fan kicked in, it sounded like a goddamn jet engine came on. Like it was crazy. The difference that the fan made in engine sound from engagement to not engaged. And these clutches in the scouts are the same way. Um, when you have the seven blade plastics, like when they come on, like it's obvious that the fan is engaged, uh, which, you know, makes you feel good. Makes you feel like you spent money on something that works. So, you know, that's something else to consider if you are in a drier, hotter climate, especially if you have air conditioning and trans cooler and all this other stuff out in front of the radiator that is restricting the flow and making it even harder. You know, look into a better fan, a better shroud. Um, I'm not a super fan of electrics um, as like helpers. Now, if you have one on your AC condenser, then that's one thing, um, you know, or a little one on your dedicated trans cooler. That's, I get that. But I see guys that will put an electric just in front of the radiator as a pusher to like help. But most fans don't work over 35 miles an hour. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going fast, if you're doing 60 on the highway and you're still overheating, it's not a fan problem. It's an airflow coolant problem. Um, you know, if you're overheating at idle, it's, that is a fan problem and a coolant problem. So you think about that also um because again i've had that with the black truck towing up grades i have electric fans on my radiator but my radiator is in the back of the truck um so it, my whole system is does not apply to anything here but i will tell you that when i'm going 60 and it starts to heat up if i drop a gear and I'm climbing a grade, I'm doing like 40, it will, the electric fans will cool it because the air moving under the truck has changed dynamic and the water pump is spinning faster to circulate the water faster and it actually will cool. Even though it's working harder climbing the grade, it will cool the motor down. So that brings up the water pump aspect. You know, you need to make sure that the water pump is clearance is correct and as tight as it can be to the impeller as tight as it can be to the body of the water pump housing um ih parts america just posted a good thing the other day about water pumps and how according to international in their tsb technical service bulletin that the water pumps with the stamped impeller the sheet metal impeller were considered high flow and the ones with the cast impeller are considered standard. Um, and so 
you know, I've been seeing a lot of the cast impeller ones. I haven't seen a stamped one in a while, so I'm not sure if that's something that's still happening. But according to International, the the stamped impeller was the high flow one, and um, you know, so again, making sure the water pump clearance is correct, making sure that it's where it needs to be. Uh, of course, hoses. Make sure your hoses are up to snuff. Uh, you know, if they're all swelled up like balloons, that's not efficient. Um, you know, heater hoses, same thing. Heater core. I mean, even in the summertime when you're not using the heater, uh, it's a nice backup. Uh, if you are starting to overheat, doing something, you know, pulling a grade or whatever, and you need a little, uh, little bit of assistance, cooling it down, you know, throwing the heater on, uh, it can help. And uh, so having the heater be clean and, you know, functional is also really important. And then also for the winter time, you know, when you need the max cabin heat, you know, a good clean heater core with no obstructions and functioning like it's supposed to goes a long ways towards the comfort of uh, wintertime driving. So I know some of this stuff is really like no duh, you know, who are you talking to, Dan? But it's just stuff that some people don't think about. They take for granted. Um, they think, oh, it's going to be good enough. Uh, I'm only driving it around town on short trips, that kind of thing. But it can really hurt you in the long run. Um, the other thing I will add here at the end, don't run straight water. Um, it, you know, The water has a higher cooling coefficient than uh, mix you know, 50-50 antifreeze and, or coolant and water, but coolant raises the boiling point of the water. So now you can go, you can get up into the 220s, you know, 210s before it starts boiling, uh, which is important. And, uh, and then finally the radiator cap. Radiator cap helps set the, you know, for every... I want to say it's like every pound that the cap is, it raises the boiling point of the coolant by a couple or five degrees. I'm, I'm not an expert on numbers, but uh, you want to avoid, like don't run a 15-pound cap because you run the risk of blowing up your radiator or heater core if they're old and original or un you're uncertain. Uh, even the cheap aluminum radiators, uh, you know, they're not, the best put together. So I really recommend like an eight to 10 pound cap, um, just to be safe. Um, it gives you some over overheat protection, but also will keep your, um, your radiator from blowing up, uh, and then have a good recovery bottle, you know, at least a gallon or I'm sorry, half gallon of recovery, um, you know, so that the bottle, so the excess fluid can come into a bottle. And then when it does cool down, it can draw it back in. So you're not running with the air space in the top of your radiator. That's all, that's important too. So all those little bits and pieces all add up to a, a effective cooling system. So yeah, hopefully that was informative. Hopefully you learned something. Uh, if you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want me to cover other topics, let me know. But uh, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Mm -hmm.